Welcome, this is Leading with Spirit, the show that gives you an in-depth look at topics like what it takes to navigate your spiritual journey, how to heal yourself and grow your spiritual gifts, and balanced practices to expand your business and your spiritual leadership. I'm your host, Spirit Bird, shamanic teacher, healer, and author, here to guide you on your journey to becoming your most potent spiritual leader. Are you wondering how to use shamanic practice in everyday life? Have you heard of the shamanic medicine wheel or the shamanic wheel? You might wonder what the medicine wheel shamanism recognizes across the globe is. Let's go over the shamanism medicine wheel, what that means and how to use it today. Definitely stay close because I'm going to pack this one full of information to help you get started understanding these core concepts that are at the base or the root of shamanic practice, and then simple ways you can begin to incorporate that into your life. So I'm going to begin, of course, with the shaman medicine wheel, its structure and its uses. Um, Before I go into it, I want to be clear that most shamanic cultures across the globe tend to share some of the same core components within them. And then beyond that, they're all going to have their own specialties, differences, cultural differences, different practices, and probably different nature spirits that they recognize and connect with based on where they're located geographically and what's there. So do know that if you're exploring working with the shamanic medicine wheel um, or native American medicine wheel, understand that these two are not always the same. And there's lots of different cultural representations of what that is. You should know that because I find that it's more helpful and more beneficial for you to develop your own connection to the different spokes on the wheel. So we can definitely, I definitely encourage you to do some exploration and maybe learn about different representations of what the wheel is and what things they put in what quadrant, but understand there isn't necessarily a right or a wrong way here. There are generally things that tend to be true across different cultures, but they are still going to vary from culture to culture. And again, that doesn't mean that one is right or one is better. And this is why I really encourage you to go for a direct experience with the information once you have the framework, not necessarily so you can develop your own wheel, but so that you develop your own direct connection with the energies within the wheel and what they represent. So the shamanic medicine wheel includes usually is it's like a compass right so it's the four directions and sometimes different lineages or different uh shaman wheels will include um like a a a point at the top and a point underneath um so this is a variation of course but i'm just going to stick to the main structure of the four quadrants so this is going to look like a cross within a circle and generally like a compass so you have the four directions north south east west Within the shamanic medicine wheel, it includes things like elements, elements associated with each quadrant, um, seasons associated with each one, ways of knowing and how it works and shows up in the human body. Um, Sometimes some medicine wheels include animals of the four directions. And um, most importantly, well, maybe not most importantly, but what I find is the most fascinating is also understanding 
that there is a whole process of transformation and a stage of transformation within the wheel itself as well. So I'm going to begin with, uh, I guess I'll just go through the elements really quickly and the seasons. And again, remember that there are different versions of the shamanic wheel or the medicine wheel and what that will look like. So use your own discernment as you're developing your own relationship with yours. So beginning with the East in a lot of um, medicine wheels that is associated with the element of the air. And it's also associated with the spring season. And when you go through transformation, you can kind of think of it as a beginning. Again, not all wheels begin in the East, but for the sake of today, I'm just going to share it and keep it kind of brief there. Um, In the South, the element is often either earth or fire. I tend to work with it as fire um, and that, and the season would be summer. Um, And this of course is your time of like growing and and learning. um, And it's the time of um, emotions. And then you move on to the West, which has the element usually of water. It's the, the element that I work with in the West And the season would be the fall. So here you can kind of see, you probably already start to see how some of those connections develop, right? So the West has a lot to do with transformation, uh, possibly with like like a rebirth or a dying. It has a lot to do with um, transitioning sometime in life. And then you move to the North and the North's element is Earth and its season is winter. So again, you can kind of see that relationship developing between these two different pieces already. Um, For me, I work and teach with the shamanic archetypes, something that's not included in a lot of medicine wheel work, but I love this body of work and using this in the medicine wheel because it is so potent in so many ways. Not only will it help you understand yourself better, it'll help you understand your gifts better. It'll help you understand how to make decisions better, help you understand um, how to support yourself and your business. Um, And it is also a great tool for being able to help clients in really powerful ways really fast because you have this like lens that understands where they are, like who they are as a person, what their role is in our world and where they are on the wheel or where they are in their cycle so we can help them get to the next stage, right? So really powerful information there. And so the way that I work with the shamanic archetypes in the East, um, I associate that with um, kind of the more like I use the wind, right? So this tends to be kind of the mystical side of the personality or the mystical personality type, It tends to be um, like a system changer, someone who has a tendency to um, not like rules and systems, but actually when they go into the system, that's what their medicine is. Moving to the South, this person is the path maker for sure. Uh, This uh, personality type or energy type also associates with fire and summer. So they tend to be kind of fiery. They tend to be um, strong. Um, they tend to be, sometimes they can be loners um, and they are really pioneers. They were really the ones that forge new paths for other people to follow. And then moving into the West, these are our empaths. These are, well, you don't have to be, if you're an empath, it doesn't mean you're the West, but generally speaking, they tend to have more empathic qualities, right? Thinking about water, thinking about, um, they tend to be flowy people and they tend to um, really bring in their power 
when they can really differentiate themselves as an individual from the collective. And then moving into the North, the North is often our leadership role. The North um, is very much our nurturers. Um, And so this kind of energy type often works with um, really leading others, but when they can do it in a way where they don't give up their own needs or when they don't put the imagine other people's suffering to be more important than their own needs, then they can offer really powerful, beautiful work. So within each of these archetypes, again, you're going to have how they associate with the elements and the seasons, and they're also going to hold their own gift and shadow. So they're going to have both a piece of, if you're not conscious of how the wheel works in your life, then you might be living out, you know, what people would call like negative patterns or sabotage patterns. Um, However, once you become aware of them, you will generally go through a process. You become aware of them. You'll be able to identify when you're doing it. You can start to heal that pattern. And then you can take what I would call the gift from that, uh, that archetype or that energy and really begin to apply it to your life. And this is where most people really reach the stage of like self-growth, self-actualization, like the things that they've been working for are actually coming true now because now they're, they're leveraged and they're anchored in their gifts instead of in their wounds. So um, from there, there's also ways of knowing. So some people, again, this is going to vary from place to place, but I'll keep going with the East and around. Generally speaking, um, for the East, the East is going to come from a place of of spirit, of source, of the unseen. Um, Again, like wind whisperer kind of comes to mind here. And so they tend to source from source. They tend to get their knowing from source. And of course, each kind of knowing also has its own gift and shadow. Um, When you go to the South, their way of knowing actually tends to be body. So again, if you think about how the emotions are related to the South, their way of the individuals that are in the South or learning about it or carry that energy type, their way of knowing is very much going to be based on the body, what the body knows and how the body responds to things. Um, When you move to the West, their way of knowing is actually going to be focused more around the mind. And so this is one of, again, all of these have gifts and shadows, um, but they tend to be Uh, you know, can use your mind to support so you can put structures to things, using your mind to support so that you can um, have like steps or stages. Um, Again, the mind really is great for supporting around structure. Of course, where it can get kind of shadowy is when the mind uh, holds on to information, confuses information with innate knowing, right? Um, And then when we move to the North, the Norse way of knowing is through the heart. And so this is, um, this is very much, of course, based on, you know, passions and desires and beginning to discern the difference between what is a heart's desire and what's a heart knowing. And so all of these areas of knowing all have their place. And again, we're all going to where you are on the wheel, who you are in this life, is going to tend to be in one or two quadrants, but throughout your lifetime, if you're growing and developing, you're going to find yourself in each quadrant at some point so that you can learn the wisdom that's stored in that part of the wheel. 
And then um, lastly, I'll share pretty quickly the way you can fold in the stages of transformation here. So this is like the birth to death cycle. And again, when you come in through the East, we think of this as the spring, as the beginning, maybe as innocence. Um, this is in transformation in a lifetime. This is very much a birth and childhood, early childhood. You move to the South and you get into like teenage and young adulthood where you're actually finding the edges, finding the boundaries, really like learning who you are. And then as you move to the West, you kind of graduate from like really needing to be closed off on your identity and you get to transition into being more community conscious, more kind of globally conscious, more like great community, big picture. Again, this is where that compassion comes in and the empathy comes in. And then when you move to the North, you're moving into eldership, you're moving into wisdom, right? This is where your knowing is really based and sourced through wisdom and being able to take the right steps at the right time versus just like driving forward and pushing and hustling. So you can see already how much information and wisdom is held in this wheel. And one of the ways that you work with it in your life is beginning to track these things, right? So tracking um, how it shows up, like tracking some of the patterns, um, noticing where you are in your life. You might also begin to notice if there's, if you're thinking back on your history or maybe how you grew up, certain patterns and what quadrant they tend to exist in. You also might notice that maybe you skipped over one of these stages in your life or went in reverse. You know, some of us come into this life and we have to parent ourselves right away. Some of us don't really get the opportunity to develop our individuality, you know, and we skip the South, we go straight to the West where we have to focus on the collective and we don't get to have our own opinions or our own knowing. So this is one way to work with the wheel. When the more you work with it, the more depth and understanding you can have in any given situation. Again, being able to see where you are on the wheel and what you're working, that helps you understand what choices to make when it's time to stop a pattern or when it's actually time to proceed consciously. Um, this also helps you connect to nature, right? Because this is the core foundational blueprint that exists in nature as well, right? This is from, this is earth medicine. So as you begin to tune into these parts of the wheel more, you can naturally become and, and heal the parts that you need to heal in each quadrant. You're naturally going to become more in flow. That means like maybe if you have a tendency to go, go, go all the time, you start to see the wisdom in taking those breaks. And that actually, when you take those breaks, you end up being more productive on the other side and you can do it with balance instead of like constantly pushing. Or maybe if you find you're the opposite, maybe you find that you generally you know, struggle with like finding motivation to start things, you can actually begin to source your energy from the summer and start to plan your plan, your schedule around, okay, I know in the summer, this is when the energy arises naturally. So you can lean into that instead of fighting other patterns or other cycles, right? Like if you're kind of slow in the winter, you might find yourself getting down on yourself like, man, you know, I never feel like I can get motivated or getting something started. Well, not that you can't ever do anything in winter, but it's not the natural time of year for us to start new projects. So again, just understanding these cycles and flows will allow you just to be in flow and 
moving with the basic laws of nature, which makes everything basically easier for you in your life. So those are some of the practical ways you can apply it to your life. But I also want to share, well, I want to share really quickly um, a little bit more about animals of the four directions, um, because this is a question that I get a lot. And I know I love working with animals. Um, Animals are such great medicine and they're such clear guides. Um, That's one of the reasons I love them. But I also want to be clear here that, again, there are lots of different wheels and if you're working with animal medicine, understand that this applies to to animal medicine as well. There are going to be what there are going to be ideas about what those animals mean or what they are as guides that are going to generally be true. And also, it's more important for you to tune into how they show up and what they mean for you, rather than what somebody else says that they mean. Again, we, we, it's definitely important to use the information and wisdom that people have gained through their own experience, the people that have come before us that have carried this lineage of work for centuries uh, have information for us. So we don't need to reinvent the wheel, right? But um, we do want to have our own direct experience with it. And if you're using this work with other people, it's going to make you far more powerful if you're sourcing this wisdom from your direct experience versus this like formula that says, well, the East equals this, right? So really quickly, again, the animals are going to vary based on where you are in the world. Um, For example, this is very generally true, but um, for the Americas, oftentimes the hawk uh, is associated with the East. The stag is associated with the South. Um, for a lot of um, America. And actually, I think this is true also of um, Ireland as well. The salmon is associated with the West and the bear is associated with the North. And here again, you can see that this is kind of, that this matches um, the elements too, right? So you've got the hawk in the East where it's wind. You've got the stag in the South where it's fire. You have the salmon in the West where it's water. And you have the bear in the north where it's earth. So you can kind of feel, you might already begin to feel, and this is what I encourage you to focus on, like what does this quadrant, what does this direction feel like uh, versus, you know, what is for, making it formulaic? So when you think about bear and earth and winter, that's going to give you a feeling. And that's what your guide actually is. And this is what a lot of shamanic work is, is beginning to develop those relationships for yourself. Uh, So lastly, I want to take you on kind of a quick and fun journey around opening sacred space, Uh, opening sacred space prayer, uh, invocation of the four directions. Um, This is um, oh, a common way across lots of shamanic cultures and a common way that many shamanic practitioners will open open sacred space. They will use a sacred space prayer for calling in the four directions or a prayer to the four directions. Um, and all of this is a practice for what I would say calling in the sacred. Uh, this is one of the jobs of a shaman or a ceremony leader is actually opening up the doorway or the container or the portal, moving us from sort of the ordinary into the sacred. And there are many different ways you can do it. Today, I'm just going to share about a prayer to the four directions and what that can look like. And again, I will keep saying this forever, 
but it's really, it's helpful to use guides when you're just getting started. And eventually you're going to want to learn how to source this directly from the direction, directly from the wheel. And this is going to create a far more powerful experience for you and for the people you are helping. So you can find calling in the four direction scripts online. Um, a lot of people like to look for the four directions prayer. That's Lakota. Um, but again, I encourage you to start noticing the relationship on your own and try calling in the four directions from memory versus trying to memorize what you're supposed to say. So, and again, I'm going to give you a pretty broad understanding or layout or script of what a prayer to the four directions can sound like. So I'll keep with my East. So you might begin by turning to the East and, and naming it. I welcome the East. From there, you might want to play around with calling in those certain elements or calling in um, the season that's associated with it. So you might say, um, calling in the East, welcoming the East, the place of wind, uh, the place of spring where life is created. From there, it can be extra fun and potent if you also name some of those specific qualities and feelings that you've experienced when you've noticed that Easter energy, right? You might even name specific people, right? Or you might call in certain animals or certain plants that you associate with that direction. So all of these things you can add on as you begin to develop your relationship with it. Then you could turn to the South and basically do the same thing, calling in the South, the place of fire and summer, the place of youth and creativity of emotions and passion. You might invite it to support your ceremony or sacred space in some way, you know, maybe asking for the South to support your creativity or um, to uh, be available for people and their emotions. You can then move to the West, same thing here, calling in the West. Most people, the practice normally would be to turn to the West and to speak and to speak to it and call it in, calling in the waters and thanking the waters, thanking the healing waters for helping us, for giving us life, right? And moving, of course, last to the North, same thing, calling in the North, this place of winter, this place of wisdom, this place of nourishment and eldership. And, and then if it's in your practice, you might acknowledge other points. Like some people like to acknowledge the point below others acknowledge the point above. And so this is a basic outliner script for uh, a prayer to the four directions. Um, I'm going to give you one extra piece. That's a little bit more advanced because uh, some of you might already know how this process works. So if you want to start to dive deeper into this, there's a very subtle distinction between a prayer of the four directions versus a prayer to the four directions, right? So the prayer of the four directions is going to be sourced from them, meaning you're going to be tuning in again to that energy that is that direction and all of the energetic things associated associated with that direction and almost plug your energy into that so you're actually sourcing your prayer of or from the, that direction. 
right? So it's sort of like tapping into it and letting that come through you. Then the distinction between that and a prayer to the four directions, a prayer to the four directions is going to be focused more on a practice of actually just honoring the directions, right? So if you're doing, if you're opening sacred space, you might find that it helps or is more supportive for you to tune in and call in that source from each direction. But it's also equally as important to take time to honor the spirits, honor nature, honor animals, honor plants, honor our ancestors, right? Honor the four directions, honor the seasons, honor the elements. And this is, um, I think, one of the richest parts of shamanic practice. This is like what it really is about is developing and keeping this connection and respect and appreciation for all of life open and flowing. And so like people like getting compliments and acknowledgement, so do spirits, so do elements. So one of the ways to keep our planet healthy, keep our communities healthy is to acknowledge them. So you can do this prayer the same way, but you're going to actually be shifting more towards going out. So again, where my example says sourcing from the four directions and asking for support from them, you can actually pray to them directly instead, you know, uh, honoring the East, honoring the gifts that it brings, naming the gifts that it brings and how it showed up in your life. And this again is um, both practices are important. Um, They just are used for different purposes. So this is also something if you've been working with developing this prayer for yourself, um, begin to work in like where and which one you would like to apply and why. Right. And to be a really embodied spiritual practitioner in general, or to be an embodied shaman, to be like a true shamanic healer, um, requires that we move from our own direct experience, our own development of our relationship with the spirits, with the directions, with the elements, with the archetypes, again, versus like trying to like memorize what they mean and then repeat it. Right. And again, if that's where you're starting, that's great. It is a really helpful place to start, but it can also be a trap where you don't actually, it's like where you know the information, but you don't actually know the wisdom in your body and it's not encoded in all of the things you do. So if you're working from a script, that's fine. And that's, this is what your next step is, is to actually like get your direct experience and begin to embody it so that your prayers can be more potent, so that you can create really beautiful, magical, sacred spaces for other people, so that you can help them drop deeper into their own sacred experience, um, and so that you can be a clear guide for others because you know the territory, you know the map, you understand the wheel innately. It might almost be, if you when you begin, from where you begin and where you end, it might even become more vague by the end because it's so ingrained in everything you do that being able to have like clear distinctions, you still know them, but it's less important. You just, because you understand them and you know how to move and work with them. So if you'd like to dive deeper into starting your journey with shamanism um, or the shamanic archetypes or deepening your understanding of the wheel, uh, I highly recommend my shamanic archetypes course. It's called Healing with the Shamanic Archetypes. And it's going to walk you through the shamanic journey practice and how to connect to the different spirit realms 
and how to interact with the spirit world. And then it's also going to walk you around the wheel, giving you uh, one of the pieces that skipped over a lot when people talk about the medicine wheel, which is again, the shamanic archetypes and also some of the core energies that exist in those so that one, you can deepen your understanding of the wheel, but more importantly, so you can begin to tune into those archetypes and those energies in each of the quadrants and actually apply it to your everyday life. Everything from, you know, um, learning how to heal your wounds in the East and becoming okay with being part of community and part of a system and, um, you know, being, feeling safe to the South of maybe if you tend to be a lone wolf or you tend to be stuck, like you feel like people are fighting around you all the time, or you're always having to fight with people or life is a battle. You're going to heal the wounds around that. Um, moving into the West where you might struggle with knowing the difference between your feelings and other people's feelings, or where you have trouble, you know, with people pleasing or honoring your own boundaries, you're going to be healing your wounds in that quadrant. And then of course, moving to the North where we're moving more into a place of balance where you're doing things with balance and you feel balanced in life and uh, versus like hustling and pushing and trying all the time. Um, and so this is going to, you're going to be healing the wounds in this area too. And then there's the last piece that's going to give you some insight on how to identify which direction you're in and what that generally means for your path and purpose. So it's a really beautiful program both to help you deepen into the shamanic work that you might be interested in and to understand how to apply this work to your everyday life so that you can be in connection with the spirit realm and be connected with nature, but also so you can be in deeper connection with yourself and grow and begin to live the life that's actually meant for you versus the life that you might feel stuck in. That's all for today. Thanks so much for joining me. Have you been hearing the call to expand your spiritual gifts and step into your next level of conscious leadership? If you're a coach, healer, or a spiritual leader, you can learn more about Shaman School and growing your spiritual business on our website, HoltonHealingArts.com, or send me a DM at Holton Healing Arts. Welcome to today's member query episode, where we explore questions about spiritual paths, intuitive gifts, growing a spiritual business, and shamanism. Do you have a question for us? Send us a DM at Holton Healing Arts. This question is from Lucia, and Lucia asks, how do I protect my energy from getting depleted? And I've got a three-part answer for you here. I've got the practical, easy step, I've got the spiritual, and I've got a note if you're a spiritual practitioner. So the practical step is honoring your needs. This one can be very hard for a lot of us, but the simple task that you need to do first is start to pay attention to what do you need and when are you overriding your needs for any number of reasons, for fear of people not liking you or people pleasing, for um, believing that other people's needs are more important than yours or feeling like you can give it all and don't need to take any time for yourself. So honoring your needs is the best way to protect your energy from getting depleted. The spiritual answer for this one, I'm going to actually just do a slight reframe. So while I understand the question, um, I would shift the question from how do I protect my energy 
um, to something about how do I hold my energy? So when we have this idea of protecting, oftentimes that comes along with this belief that there is someone else that we need to protect ourselves from. And that's not true. So instead of thinking like protecting where I'm like, you know, I need to hide myself or I need to remove myself or somebody's doing something bad and I need to get away from it um, or, or they'll overpower me. We want to think of like, what are my actual boundaries? What is it like to hold my own energy? And you can begin by trying to track where your energy ends and other people's energy begins. And there is good, it's very natural to have a mix of your energy with other people. It's just part of being human and it's definitely part of the shamanic path, but you do want to be aware of what's yours and what isn't so that you can notice when you're holding on to something that actually belongs to someone else and send it back to them. And again, this is where that shift from protection to holding uh, changes the narrative because when we send it back to them, we get to shift from this idea that like, you've done something bad to me and you've got, and I've got to cut you out or send you off into like, Oh, that's actually not mine. Let me just send it back. And then there's no judgment or shame around it. And then the third part is if you're a spiritual practitioner, if you are worried or finding yourself getting depleted from working around other people, uh, number one, you can use these first two practices that I provided definitely nourishing your needs, definitely paying attention to what's yours and what isn't. But the other piece that you can practice is when you're working with your clients, you want to help them process their energy by processing your own match to them versus trying to process their energy. So that means if I'm sitting with somebody and they're looking at a wound, instead of me going into their energy field and trying to fix the wound for them, I'm going to find where in my energy field I have that wound and I'm going to work on healing mine. And that's what opens the doorway for the other person and allows them to find how to do that for themselves without you taking on their energy or feeling depleted. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Leading with Spirit. If you did, please share the link for this episode with your biggest takeaway, tagging me at Holton Healing Arts. It would also support me if you subscribed and left a rating and review of the show so we can support more people living their highest purpose. Until next time, journey on.